everyone, we are back for episode 6 of Ryan's One Word Reviews. This week's setup will be a little bit different, as I've invited Cole Blick on the podcast to share his insights on three films, The Assistant, Swallow, and The Way Back. Let's get started. Before we jump into this week's reviews... Let's discuss our trailer of the week here on Ryan's One Word Reviews. The trailer of the week is the Netflix-produced Spike Lee joint to Five Bloods. Telling the story of four Vietnam vets who return to their old battlefields, Spike Lee's film plots these soldiers on a very different type of mission. Led by their former squad leader, the great Chadwick Boseman, this group buried some hidden treasure with the intent of coming back to grab it. The trailer blends archival Vietnam footage with Lee's filming and in typical Vietnam movie fashion, the Chambers Brothers' famous tune, The Time Has Come, plays in the background. I'm expecting PTSD in America's racial wounds to be explored here, especially as they pertain to the overwhelming death rate of young black American men on the front lines of Vietnam. Whatever the message, I'm trusting Spike Lee to deliver. Netflix continues to push the envelope by producing big-time originals. All right, so this week we're changing up the format and we're going to go off script here. So sometimes an actor going off script is a really great thing and sometimes it's really not. But regardless, we're going to give it a shot here on Ryan's One Word Reviews. This week I've invited my good friend Cole to join the podcast. We've been introduced to him prior uh, in previous podcasts. Uh, our move, our love for the movies dates back many years, uh, most likely to our days working for our small town in the hot days of summer. We spent our time mowing sewage plants, uh, mowing dangerous ditches, reading water meters filled with snakes, uh, and picking up way too many sticks. Uh, but during all that, we found some time to discuss some newer movies, uh, new and old. So with that being said, I now welcome Cole Blick to the podcast. So this week's first feature is The Assistant. Ryan's one-word review is somber. And Cole, what about your one-word review? Uh, my one-word review for The Assistant is potent. Potent, yes. I, I actually really like that one. I After watching it, I, I, I think my review will kind of uh, lead into yours a little bit. So a uh, really quick breakdown here. Jane is a recent college graduate and aspiring film producer who's just landed her dream job as a junior assistant to a powerful entertainment mogul. Her day is much like any other assistant, making coffee, ordering lunch, arranging travel accommodations, and taking phone messages. But as Jane follows her daily routine, she grows increasingly aware of the abuse that insidiously colors every aspect of her workday, an accumulation of degradations against which she decides to take a stand. The Assistant is written and directed by Kitty Green, whose past work includes the acclaimed true crime doc Cassing Jean Benet. The film stars Ozark's Julia Garner, who plays the troubled aspiring assistant, and Matthew McFadden as the head of human resources. So just really quickly, my initial thoughts, and then I'll, I'll get Cole's thoughts. I think this movie is a direct product of the hashtag MeToo movement. And to me, it was a truly sombering viewing experience. Uh, it's a somber movie, but the message is really important. After watching it, I felt 
honestly, I felt angry and sickened that people, especially young women, still have to put up with all this crap on a daily basis. So Cole, what were your initial thoughts uh, after watching The Assistant? Um, well, actually going into it, I, I knew absolutely nothing about it um, aside from that the girl from Ozark is in it, and I just I just got that from a text uh, from you. Um, so really that the first half hour or so it kind of felt like I was I was watching some mundane documentary about the, the everyday life of, of an actual office assistant. You know, it kind of felt like, you know, prior to coronavirus, I could have just followed around one of my coworkers for a day and uh, and been able to get the same experience. But once I kind of realized the magnitude of, of what was going on in, in the office that we were watching, um, you know, I, I kind of I kind of had the same reaction as you. It started to uh, to really weigh on me, and and I felt the the cultural relevance. And uh, you know, it, it definitely it definitely was a was a tough watch, especially watching uh, Julie Gardner's character, you know, struggle with that that internal conflict. Um, you know, as the movie went on, I was I ended up being really really impressed with uh with the work. Yeah, I I, I totally agree. I think she was actually the perfect actress for this because she plays that quiet demeanor uh, which I think is what the director wanted here was someone who just takes direction and does exactly what she's told and it kind of eats enough at her to where she says I have to do something about this so um, you bring up a good point I I think that this is not the type of movie for everyone a lot of people will not like this movie uh, the reviews on Rotten Tomatoes are horrendous for for this movie uh, from the audience at least uh, the critic reviews are great but again this is not the type of movie for everyone especially if you think that this type of stuff doesn't actually happen that much or that the me too movement is honestly just a big ploy to make men look bad if you believe that you will absolutely hate this movie uh, it's very slow burn uh, as you said, you know, the first 30 minutes, you're you're just literally witnessing a normal day in a very boring job uh, that a lot of Americans, you know, do live. But for me, and I, I kind of want your thoughts on this, the most powerful scene in the movie and honestly, one of the most powerful scenes I've seen in any movie in a long time was the HR scene. Uh, while, while I was watching that HR scene, I was very disheartened. And honestly, again, that's the scene that really made me sick. Uh, looking at Gardner's face, you know, you can feel on her face, you know, almost like she was stopped being an actress. Uh, and the overpowering attitude of her male counterpart literally is crushing. So I, I don't know if there's any scenes that stood out to you, but that one really stood out to me the most. Yeah, so I, I definitely agree that that was a scene that that was a was kind of a turning point in the movie. Um, what I I think what Julie Garner does great in this is that she is able to, to illustrate that, you know, the, just the torment she's feeling from, you know, the inner conflict of, uh, Oh, should I, you know, should I go to HR? Should I, should I make this, make this a, a big story or should I just let it go and, and save myself? Um, she's able to, to illustrate that while still kind of having this lack of animation. Um, you know, it, it's almost, it's kind of almost unnerving. Um, one of my favorite scenes personally was um, whenever she first whenever she first um, uh, accidentally handles a call with with her boss's wife um, yeah, yep. not not to her boss's standards and and then the boss calls her up to kind of admonish her and and the boss 
while he doesn't necessarily raise his voice, he he just completely dresses Garner's character down and uh, you know just that the look on her face she's she's holding it together but you can tell deep down man it, it's really it's it's really eating at her and uh, that that was that was probably my favorite part of the movie yeah now that you say that uh, I, I think there's a couple instances where she has to send two emails to the big boss which just so we're clear I think that is a not so subtle shot at Harvey Weinstein uh, you know you never see the big boss in the movie at all. You only hear his voice, but I think this is a direct shot at people like him who have been convicted of these terrible things. Um, but yeah, the email scenes where basically she makes a mistake, you know, as her boss would put it, and then basically has to email him saying, I'm sorry, I'll never do this again. And her male counterparts or, you know, two other male assistants basically help her word it, saying that you need to, you know, say what he wants. And, you know, you can tell inside she's fighting that inner struggle, as you mentioned, but she just does it anyways. And, you know, the ending of the movie, you know, I think she just kind of accepted that, unfortunately, this is life for me. Uh, and, you know, if I want to make it in this business, I have to just struggle through this, which, again, is literally crushing. But, uh, you know, this is, again, not going to be the type of movie for everyone. Uh, I know a lot of people will, will watch this and be like, oh, that was really boring or, oh, that was too political or whatnot. But honestly, I think it should be required viewing for any type of executive or leaders in business. Uh, you know, I, I just think that this has become a big problem in society. Uh, and when people are afraid to speak up and do something about it, you know, that's a, that's a real problem. Yeah, you're, you're definitely right. Um, you can tell that the catalyst behind a movie like this probably does lie within the whole Harvey Weinstein situation and, and the film industry at large. Um, but I totally agree. Like you said, this is this is the type of movie that relates to to any industry or company that you know has some sort of hierarchy that's susceptible to this kind of abuse of power. And and yeah, it's it's definitely it's something that anyone should be able to watch and, and, you know, and can find some, some relevance to, to everyday life. Yep. So I, I'm going to give this one 4.5 globes. Uh, you know, I, again, I think I was just so struck with the message and honestly, Gardner's performance, I, I don't, I can't even picture another actress, uh, you know, nailing the role as good as she did because she she looks so young and innocent herself. That alone helps her role. But, you know, it. I, I've read, you know, it's kind of been described as powerhouse performance. And some reviews have said, well, she didn't do anything. But that's that's the point. You know, she plays. She, I, th I think she absolutely nailed the role in this monotonous assistant job, you know, who's struggling inside. And I think you can see it. I, I think just by looking at her eyes, you can see that she's struggling with it. And that, that's really impressive for acting. Yep. It, I, uh, I agree. I, I gave it a, a 4.5 or sorry, I gave it a four out of five globes um, just to, to stick with your your scoring system. Um, totally agree. Garner dominates the movie, and um, it, it was it was awesome to, to see her play something that's play a part that's almost uh, the polar opposite of, of her character in Ozark. Yeah, it was actually refreshing. I have not finished all of Ozark. I know I'm bad, but it was kind of refreshing to see her get out of that kind of, I guess I've described her in Ozark as kind of like a hillbilly type role. Uh, it was really nice to see her move away for that. And honestly, this might be a nice springboard for her. I know this is kind of a smaller movie, but it might be a nice springboard for her to actually get some bigger roles. And I, I look forward to seeing her, uh, her future work. So 
We are going to jump into our second feature of the week, and I know Cole will have thoughts on this one. Uh, this movie got a lot of hype because, one, it has Ben Affleck in it, uh, and it's about basketball. So any sports movies, newer sports movies, honestly, get a lot of hype. So this week's second feature is called The Way Back. Ryan's one-word review is uplifting, and Cole, your one-word review. My one-word review uh, may not be as, as positive as yours, but my one-word is formulaic. And just so we're clear, uh, when we first talked to each other about this movie, we both had the word formulaic in mind. That was my original one-word review. Uh, I wanted to be a little bit nicer to the film, and it is uplifting, and I think Cole will eventually, you know, I think he will agree with that, you know, that there are good parts in this. But uh, so just a quick synopsis here. Jack Cunningham was a high school basketball superstar who suddenly walked away from the game for unknown reasons. Years later, he's now stuck in a meaningless job and struggling with alcoholism, the very thing that ruined his marriage and his hope for a better life. But Jack soon gets a shot at redemption when he becomes the basketball coach for his alma mater, a program that has fallen on hard times since his teenage glory days. The Way Back was written by Brad Inglesby and directed by Gavin O'Connor, whose past work includes Disney's Miracle and, in my opinion, his masterpiece, Warrior. The film stars Ben Affleck as former basketball star, now-turned-alcoholic Jack Cunningham, Al Madrigal as his assistant coach, and Janina Gavinkar as Jack's separated wife. So, just some quick initial thoughts on this one. Uh, although my one-word review was nicer than Cole's, like I said, this film is pretty formulaic. You're not going to get anything new from this film, uh, but... I'm okay with that because the movie was still really enjoyable for me. And honestly, I thought Ben Affleck did a really nice job in the lead role. It's good to see him move away from that troubled Batman role that honestly no one in the future will be able to do justice to because Christian Bale elevated that to such a level. So Cole, what were your initial thoughts? Uh, initially, when, when I first finished The Way Back, my, my knee-jerk reaction was to characterize the film with a word like, predictable or unimaginative but but after taking some time to digest it uh, I realized neither of those words were quite appropriate because they lend the film a, an overall negative connotation and I don't think that's entirely fair because this isn't a bad movie um, I do think sports movies especially ones that are you know, fix, fictional dramas they can be difficult to keep fresh and completely original um, I think a lot of that's just because the, the subtleties that make real sports poetic aren't necessarily cinematic so we get a lot of those sports movie tropes you know like last second shots at bats with two outs in the bottom of the ninth or you know a coach's monologue on heart and toughness um and the way back's not immune to any of those tropes but it did have some elements that i enjoy uh mainly number one ben affleck does exactly what an a-list actor should do um yep. you know he, he takes a film that is honestly mediocre at best and and does turn it into something enjoyable um if it weren't for him i'm not entirely sure i would give this movie as a recommendation but uh, i think the filmmaker did realize that that affleck was was the the a-lister that he is and so the the story just heavily focuses on his character we don't we're not oversaturated with any cliched basketball scenes and Although it does kind of create some unnecessary, unnecessary storylines around a couple players, we, we aren't forced to go too far down the rabbit hole with them. So, yeah, kind of like you, you said. I'm glad you bring that up. 
Yeah, I'm uh, saying like you know, like many of the 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 fellow sports movies, the way back's not going to surprise you or, or anything, but it, it could be it could be a lot worse than what it is. So it it's a uh, it's it's not too bad. Uh, I personally I gave it a three out of five globes. Yeah. So I, I want your thoughts on this because you, you kind of introed what I was going to bring up. So my my problems with the way back are again it's not Ben Affleck. I, again I I agree with you. Without him I don't you know without an A list actor and there are many of them that I think would have been good in this. I don't think this movie's that good. Uh, it's not the story itself. I, I don't mind the redeeming story. I think that's great. But I, I have a couple problems and I want your thoughts on this. So one, we never really got a lot of interaction between Ben Affleck and his new team. All of a sudden he just kind of shows up and then the kids get this instant connection with him as he's cussing at them. And all of a sudden they love him. You know, I, I don't know where that great connection came from. Uh, I, I kind of wanted a little more from each kid's storyline. We got a little bit with his point guard, uh, you know, and his backstory with his dad. But other than that, the players are just kind of pawns in the story. And where I really saw a lot of potential in a story that went nowhere was with the assistant coach. I was waiting for this scene to come out of, you know, in the, in that in the coach's office where the assistant coach really has that heart to heart with Affleck and, you know, tells him his own redeeming story about maybe how he got over this past trauma or whatnot. And it just never happened. You know, the assistant coach, I thought, had a really good role that honestly, he was just kind of there. And my last you know, potential storyline would have been uh, with the character named Doc, who you don't see much, but he's the guy who literally carries Affleck's character home most nights from the bar. You know, where does his story come into this? Did, you know, I think Doc said he knew Jack's dad, but, you know, I think Doc could have had that heart to heart or really helped, you know, become a part of the story. And again, he, he wasn't. He was just the guy who, you know, carried him home when he was drunk. So, you know, Regardless from all that, uh, I think the way back is perfectly watchable, you know, and enjoyable. It's got great redeeming qualities. Ben Affleck's great, uh, even though I think there are some misperformances here. But honestly, it's nice to see Ben Affleck back in action, and I hope he keeps making good movies. So welcome back to Ben Affleck. I'm giving the way back 3.5 globes. And now for our last feature, and I saved this one for last because it is a doozy. This last feature is called Swallow. Ryan's one-word review, gut-wrenching. Cole, yours. Uh, my one-word review is peculiar. Yes, it is, it is definitely a uh, peculiar little movie. So a quick synopsis here for us. Hunter, a newly pregnant housewife, finds herself increasingly compelled to consume dangerous objects. As her husband and his family tighten their control over her life, she must confront the dark secret behind her new obsession. Swallow was both written and directed by Carlo Mirabella Davis. The film stars Haley Bennett in a powerful performance as Hunter, the seemingly perfect housewife with Pika. Austin Stowell as her seemingly perfect yet shallow husband Richie. Elizabeth Marvel and David Rash as the most stuck-up in-laws ever. So my initial thoughts... I discovered this film while just browsing the internet for good movies to watch. I came across it and the synopsis instantly caught my attention. 
But this movie turned out to be something much bigger and better than I ever imagined. Now, quick disclaimer, this film will really not be for everyone due to its very disturbing look at Pika and what Pika is. So if you don't know, again, Pika is this overwhelmingly, you know, distressing urge to eat things that are not digestible. Uh, and we'll hear uh, a couple of thing, a couple of things that Hunter does eat through the movie. And again, it is it is truly uh, body horror in its finest. And honestly, it's downright cringeworthy in some spots. So, Cole, what were your initial thoughts? Uh, um, initially, whenever you texted me that that this was going to be one of the movies that we were we were going to be reviewing, um, I looked up the pr- the premise and I was thinking, uh, wh- what is Ryan getting getting me into here? Um, I kind of walked in figuring it was going to be some third-rate gore fest, but uh, once I got into it and kind of you know uh, you know s- submitted myself to it, I realized that that wasn't the case. Um, like you said, don't get me wrong, the film is is odd. It's very odd, um, but amid all of the uh, the scenes that that are definitely uncomfortable and anxiety-inducing, if you if you take the time and stick with it, um, it turns out to, to be well worth it. Um, I I actually uh, of the three movies that that we're reviewing today, um, this one was hands down my favorite. Um, it was I, I think Haley Bennett does a, a phenomenal job as uh, the main character Hunter, and um, in in a lot of ways she kind of experiences um, that. A similar inner conflict to uh, Julie Garner's character in The Assistant, so I, I thought that was interesting as well. Yeah, uh, I, I think Haley Bennett was, uh, you know, I think I would describe this as a powerhouse performance. Uh, she has, she's the perfect again cast for this. Even like the shape of her face, this perfect idealistic housewife with the, you know, the bobbed up hair. Literally everything about her is like this you know, glamorous view of the, the housewife in America. So I, I totally agree with you. When I, when I saw this, I thought this is going to be a downright straight up horror movie because it's described in multiple online reviews as a psychological horror film. Well, I personally would disagree with that label and I'm going to make up my own label. I'm going to call it a psychological liberation drama. And that's probably <laughs> not a real thing, but when you watch the movie, I think you'll understand where I'm coming from there. Now, there's some clear body horror with this movie. Uh, I'm just going to say one word, and that one word is thumbtack. And if you watch the movie, and I know Cole knows exactly what I'm talking about because he sent me a a Snapchat of the scene. Uh, I think the word in all caps was no. Uh, so there's 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 horror definitely in this, but it's not a horror movie like a teen slasher like you're thinking. Uh, but to me, this movie is clearly a drama and it contains a ton of big time lofty themes like domestic womanhood, control, mental illness. And when you get to the end, it's about the right to choose, in my opinion, and the right to body autonomy for a woman. Uh, so. The story here for me is really impressive in its scope. And for someone to write this and direct this and come up with this, you know, message to me, it kind of blows my mind. So, cool. I want to bring up one last uh, quick thing and then I'll get your thoughts on it. So uh, one thing that stood out to me the most in this movie, other than, you know, Hunter swallowing things like marbles, safety pins, batteries and other items is the treatment of mental illness as being taboo. Uh, did did that stand out to you at all? 
Oh yeah, definitely. Um, I actually in in my notes I, I wrote that you know Hunter's character was unhappy and she was in, troubled by this intense loneliness as a result of traumatizing events in her past and this this kind of empty support group that she had surrounding her with her with her husband and and her in laws. Um, that definitely that definitely struck me as as you know being paramount in the movie and and how how that sort of thing can have such a extreme impact on a human being um it it i thought the way the movie ends ends up wrapping around kind of uh demonstrated a, a great lesson that that you know mental health is 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 a, a very important thing to to all of us yeah, I, I it's you know I, I've taken you know psychology classes and you know I've looked at some mental illnesses and uh, you know Pike is one that doesn't come to mind immediately, but you know I thought this movie was going to be totally about this mental illness and her struggling with it and why she does that. So I was I was totally wrong. Uh, in this film, unlike any other movie about mental illness I think I've ever seen, the mental illness actually gives Hunter an opportunity to control something in her life. Everything has been controlled for Hunter. Her mom, you're gonna see, you know, her her, her backstory is very uh, intense uh, and there's something revealed kinda in the last three-fourths of the film that is really eye-opening, especially in one of the counseling scenes that really, really stood out to me. But again, this mental illness actually gives her control of her body and satisfaction for the first time. You know, in the film, she has everything beautiful house, everything. She doesn't have to work. She's got money, but she actually doesn't have anything. Her husband, you know, more likes to show her off. Like this is my pretty beautiful wife, but she's just here. Uh, her, you know, his mom and dad, uh, once she gets pregnant, you know, dad is quoted as saying something like, you know, Oh, you got the future CEO of the company in there. So not only does her husband control her body, but now her father-in-law has control over her body. And, you know, then you get mom-in-law in there trying to control her body with her diet and all of this stuff. So, you know, it, that that really stood out to me. And I, I think I'd even label this movie as maybe a little bit of a political allegory as well. I, I think the director is trying to send a pretty clear political message with this, uh, you know, with, with pro-choice. And, you know, that's a debate that, you know, we're always going to have in this country, pro-choice, pro-life, all that. So, again, this movie... At the end of it, I just kind of had to sit back and take a deep breath. But uh, I don't know if, you know, you'll agree with this, Cole, but by the end of the film, I found myself kind of rooting for Hunter, you know, in her liberation, I guess in kind of a weird way. Oh, yeah. Nope. 100 uh, percent. I found myself rooting for her um, probably a little earlier than than you might than you might realize. Um, it, it kind of it. it the way her family treated her just drove me nuts the whole movie. Um, and, and yeah, I was definitely rooting for her to, to take control and get that, uh, that body autonomy and, and her, you know, eventual, uh, liberation there at the end. Um, you know, overall, I, I really thought swallow, you know, it contained, it, it contained several elements that I, I love in a movie. Um, you know, it has, it has more than its fair share of weirdness in it. Um, one thing I really noticed too and enjoyed was uh, it had a very crisp and colorful production design. Um, 
and and to go along with it and also uh, uh, it was a subtle soundtrack but an amazing soundtrack that i thought really um you know really intensified and, and punctuated some some scenes along the way and you know as kind of the 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 theme of all this is that there was there was an ongoing unpredictability um so so yeah it was definitely one of my favorite films of 2020 so far yeah, for sure. The you, you mentioned kind of the cinematography, and again, I'm no expert on cinematography, but you know, I, I like certain scenes where she's. I think she's trying to design the house, and she's talking about you know buying these certain shades of blues for the curtains, and you know putting up these window coverings, and like the reds and the blues, the way they pro, uh, project onto you know Haley Bennett's face, like literally, like her face was like the perfect shape like it sounds weird that I'm saying it but uh, again I just think you know as this idealistic housewife like I see her sitting in this beautiful you know house with these massive windows and like in a perfectly pl- you know placed dress not a hair out of place you know and then you see her swallow a thumbtack it's like you know this movie is again it, it's not for everyone but it is it is rewarding if you can get through it and you don't you know you're not you know you can get through the the tough parts it is it is a very rewarding watch uh that i again I, I really encourage some people to see and you know if we're talking about like feminine revenge movies uh, i recently watched one uh it's a it's a pure horror movie uh, i got really good reviews it's called revenge i think it was made in 2018 uh it is a straight up horror film as in like in this movie revenge is killing all the men like who's who did her wrong uh, and it's absolutely brutal so it's kind of nice to see swallow not go that route of oh i'm gonna get revenge on you i'm just gonna kill you so uh you know i'll, I'll end with this you know instead of you know going the traditional route she frees herself from her controlling husband in a mall bathroom uh, i won't <laughs> say anything else other than that but again if you can stomach it Swallow is both a peculiar watch and a gut-wrenching film, but one that is sure to challenge your thinking. And I would agree with Cole. It is uh, it is towards the top of my 2020 movies right now. I'm going to give it five globes. Cole, what about you? Uh, I gave I gave it 4.5 globes, but I could be very convinced to uh, to, or I could be easily convinced to give it another half point. All right, excellent. So that will wrap up episode six of Ryan's one word reviews. Uh, this was the first time I've attempted, you know, a, a live interview, but uh, I had a lot of fun. And, uh, next week, I don't know the three movies yet. Uh, I do know one, uh, and it is Tom Hardy's new Capone. Uh, and I'm really looking forward to breaking that down because I'm not sure what the hell I watched to be honest. Uh, but until that point, uh, be sure to leave reviews on Apple Podcasts because now Ryan's One Word Reviews is almost everywhere you could ever look for a podcast, including Spotify and Apple Podcasts. So feel free to to give us a good review there, uh, and we hope you enjoyed. Signing off.